Welcome to Into the Magic, a podcast where we explore the human experience and come away with perspectives that we can take and integrate into our daily lives. Let's get into the magic. I'm your host, Sess. And I'm Katie. And today, we are (laughs) riding the Joshua train for another lap. Yeah, the Joshua tree creepy wave. (laughs) We are riding that wave one more time. (laughs) <laughs> because maybe maybe not one more time let's not limit ourselves no but. let's not but also <laughs> i mean i don't want to say that it's creepy because we watched documentary which we'll talk about and i'm a little bit more interested now so. yes yeah i think there's so many sides to this area yeah and it's super fascinating to like keep digging into some of the neighboring areas as well and i don't know if we mentioned this last time but in 29 palms there's like a military base yep and in one of the youtube videos they watched last night they were calling it little baghdad because they actually <gasps> like test missile equipment out there yeah that's what the that is what the documentary noted as well is that there's all kinds of bombing that happens on that military base. Yes. And so some of our resources for this episode are the Integratron website and YouTube videos. One of them that I really enjoyed was called The Story of Giant Rock by the San Bernardino County Assessor, kind of like a county official who makes these informative YouTube videos. And then this documentary directed by Jonathan Berman called Calling All Earthlings. Yeah, that's what I watched. There's this uh, streaming service. It's called Tubi, T-U-B-I. They have this documentary that you can watch for free. You do have ads there are yes. ads, but it's it's worth it. It is. And it's like an hour and 15 minutes. And if you're anything like Katie and I, you'll be, you'll think it's really interesting. Yeah. And it kind of like, for me, it like really scratched this itch a little bit more of, because it's like, you know, mainstream information is George Van Tassel died of a heart attack, period. Yeah. Well, no. George Van Tassel, by the way, was the man that created the Integratron. Yes. Which is the sound bath thing that we went to. Yes. Sounds like a fictional character. It is not. That is his actual name. And he actually like worked for Howard Hughes. Like he was a very esteemed engineer. Yeah. Um, aeronautical engineer, I think. Yeah. Yes, yes. And he had an outstanding career. And then he moved to Landers. Which is right outside of Joshua Tree. Yeah, right outside of Joshua Tree. And that's where he was contacted by aliens. And it kind of like kicked off a lot of the UFO enthusiasts kind of pilgrimaging. Is that a word? Making a pilgrimage. Pilgrimage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. Joshua Tree or to yes. this, you know, air, this entire area because of that. And just for reference, one thing that this documentary showed is how much of sound mind George Van Tassel was because it has mm. actual television footage of him on shows discussing this. This was like maybe not a nationally known topic, but... Uh, locally known topic in the area, he would go on television shows. He would talk about the Integratron. He would talk about how he got the information from the Integratron, which was from an alien. Like Mm -hmm. They would come down and give him pieces of information about how to build this thing. And they wouldn't give him too much. And he wasn't really supposed to write it down. When it was time to do the next step, they would come and tell him. Mm -hmm. And he openly discussed this on television, sound mind, joking just like a smart man a uh, genius so he's not like yeah i mean he's he doesn't like have like crazy genius. hair and is sitting up there talking about putting foil on the windows like he is a a brilliant man who is talking about stuff that the mainstream just doesn't or is not willing at that point to understand 
or comprehend. Yeah. So many of these people that have these experiences that are unexplainable or with UFOs or extraterrestrials, nobody like wants this because like once you say that you have like had this experience, like you are, you know, it's like a scarlet letter. Like you are not, you are completely dismissed in it as a crazy human being from that moment forward. So there's nobody that come out with this information and it has been received well. You know what I mean? No, I mean, especially during that time. Yeah, especially during that time. Yeah. I mean, even now, Stephen Greer, yeah, some of those people, It's he's a smart man, but, you know, there's only a certain portion of the population that is willing to give him any sort of time of day. Mm-hmm. And we are way more aware and accepting of UFOs, at least now, than we've ever been. Right. So the George Van Tassel was here in he moved to Landers in 1947. So this is like a long ass time ago. Yeah. And why don't I just like kind of start talking about like the origins of this? Do it. This starts in the story of the Integratron basically starts in Landers, California, California. And it is starts basically at this place coined the giant rock, which is a literal giant rock. It allegedly is the largest freestanding boulder in the world. Yeah. Some sources say it is even an energy vortex in itself. And so when you do go there, which we didn't, which I still want to go to, that you do feel a different energy. And that could be part of the reason why so many people have been drawn to come here. So the boulder initially was used as a landmark for Native Americans for thousands of years as the places for tribes to meet around the seasons or ceremony. And for millions of years, like this boulder stood unbothered. And in 1920, a German man named Frank Kreitzer decided to make this his home and dug out underneath about half of it with dynamite. So he blew it up underneath it and acquired squatters World War One, World War Two, and he was German, and so people like immediately became super suspicious of this guy, and because he was like, I mean, honestly, like you kind of have to be very different and eclectic to have to decide, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my home underneath this rock. You know, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm not gonna like. <laughs> I want to live under a rock, a literal rock. I want to live under this. Isn't this like the definition of like a hermit? You know. I mean, you know, yeah. There's literally like that phrase, like, you haven't heard about that? Do you live under a rock? It's like an yes. insult. It is. <laughs> Not something that's like very common. He did at it all. willingly. Yep. And he he went for it. He followed his dreams and he went for it. Okay, so people were very They suspicious. called him the rock man. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what? Fact check. They didn't call him that. <laughs> Maybe they should have. I'm sorry. I'm just going to fact check that real quick. No one called him that, but they could have. Or The Rock. Well, we all know. Okay, Seth. Okay. Seth loves The Rock if you don't know. Is it getting hot in here? (laughs) Okay. Wow. Sorry. Anyways. He blew it up underneath and lived under this rock. In yes. the 20s, this is when he moved there. Yeah. Okay, so actually when he moved there, he was he lived there for a long time. He lived there for like, tw- it looks like 20 years. I mean, this is wow. these are the numbers I'm getting. <sighs> but we might have to check because, so he did move there in World War One, but World War Two was when people really became suspicious of this guy because he actually like put an antenna on top of the rock. 
Yeah, and it's right next to the the military base. Right, and he's he a German made, man in yes the forties. He made this area was like you know it's a wide open desert. He made part of this area an airstrip, so people were like. What's up with this? This guy? is very suspicious, right? It's like sus. you can see, yeah, you can see that in the U.S. during World War II, right? If he did end up living, moving there in the twenties, they became aware of it during World War II, which is in the forties. Yep. So yeah, it would make people feel uneasy. A little, a little, yeah, a little. A uneasy. German man living under a rock with an antenna next, with an airstrip on it next to a military base. The largest military it. base. I don't know if it was then, but it's like one of the largest now. I so, get it. That's just say we yeah. get it. Yeah, we get it. So on July 24th, 1942, sheriffs came to question him. And by the end of the day, he was dead. There's lots of material out there that says he blew himself up because maybe he had secrets and he was trying to right. not have to answer. I don't think I would ever blow myself up. I don't think I would ever blow myself up. For secrets. <laughs> I mean, maybe. He blew himself up. Well, that's, I think that's what they want you to think. And okay. there's no... I found a lot of different things about his death, just kind of similar to George Van Tassel. Okay. So even like this, the county assessor of the San Bernardino County who has this great YouTube channel, he... Which is so cute, by the way. Like, how adorable is that? I know. I'm like, if you this guy can make YouTubes, I think I can too, you know? Yeah, so watch out. Watch out. We're <laughs> if a be boomer can, tubes. <laughs> we can do it. So what he said, what this guy said on his channel was that he, the, the sheriffs threw tear gas down there to mm. get him to come out because he wouldn't come talk to them. <laughs> I mean, this guy's like a hermit. This is just like, yeah, I think who he is. Yeah, and they came on his property and are demanding them get out. I don't think that's, most people would like to accommodate that, especially somebody in the U.S. in the 20s and 40s. And who has made the decision to live... In the middle of nowhere. Apparently, there's, he had a lot of dynamite under there, and it exploded, and he died. Okay. See, yeah, because in the documentary, it says that he blew himself up. Right. Yes. So there's def- there's differing uh, reports on this, just like George Van Tassel's death. It's kind of what they want you to think, or and then there's the, the mystery of what actually happened. Right. Which isn't like a set in stone. I think it's good to be skeptical. Like, we don't have to say that any one thing is the truth, but acknowledging that there are multiple, quote, truths here is yeah, is good. And it's suspicious, too. Yeah. <laughs> so there was another article that I saw that said it turns out he wasn't a spy. He was not a German spy. But I also don't know if they would ever disclose that. I don't know if that's something that intelligence agencies disclose. Oh, he was a spy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. I mean, ever information they give. No, maybe to families or something. Like I don't know, but no, I I wouldn't right. think so. Why would they? Why would they feel the need to do that? Mm-hmm. It's like classified, classified information. Anyways, he was actually friends with George Van Tassel, this guy. Okay, Frank Kreitzer. So. Five years later, in 1947, George Van Tassel moved his wife and three daughters out to Giant Rock and applied for the homestead on this property, which literally, you guys, if you look at pictures online, if you look at YouTube videos, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's literally a giant rock. Yeah, it's dirt and a giant rock. It is literally a giant rock. And mind you, like this is, I keep saying mind you, but I I don't know. I I suppose I like that word today. Um, This was before, this was pre-alien contact. He just like quit his job 
with mm-hmm. with Hughes and <laughs> moved. He worked for Howard Hughes. We did tell you that. Yeah. And he quit it and moved to Landers, Giant Rock, yep. to live to live there. In the desert. In- yeah. <laughs> So he he moved yeah with his like wife he had and- the American dream and like this isn't I mean like and he left it for for this and he's like nope I'm gonna take this in a different direction yeah <laughs> he must have had some kind of calling for I sure. I you agree don't do that so next tell us there's a greater calling so I'm trying to I might have to add this later but like I'm trying to find the names of his wife and daughter it's interesting how very little places ever say the the name of the wife oh <laughs> wow. Like, you know, George and his wife. Yeah, yeah no kidding. George he did and get his married. wife who doesn't have a personality or anything else. Well, apparently she made really great pie. Yes, yes, <laughs> I heard that at the Come On In. At the Come On In Cafe. Yeah, they opened up a cafe by Giant yeah. Rock called the Come On In Cafe. And apparently her apple pie was famous. And her hamburgers or cheeseburgers, yes. I'm not a fan of apple pie, but I do love oh my hamburger. God. I don't like wow. apple pie. Okay. I just don't. Interesting. He did have three daughters as well. So he's just like, all right, we're all just going to kind of live out here in... I mean, Katie, from like what it sounded like on the documentary, it was kind of like poverty-ish, correct? Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know that there was really a house. I think they ended up building a homestead out there. Like, yeah, the, it was rough living for a while. That's, yeah. that's what I assume based on how they described it. Yeah. So during this time period, he... I I think he was sleeping and woke up. And woke up. Yeah. With like a knowing of this being coming to him. And this being, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what it told him. Do you have that written down? But it's basically saying like, you need to build something mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. The Integratron is not like, a, it's not a spaceship. It's not time travel in the sense of you're going to go back to the year before Van Tassel died and tell him not to eat that last burger or whatever mm-hmm. it's reversing time on the body yeah it's like a rejuvenation machine it's a rejuvenation machine so that we mm-hmm. as human beings can last longer because this being told him that we we it takes us so long to understand things that by the time we understand it we're too old to do anything about it And so the goal is to extend our life so that we can come around to that understanding. Her name was Eva. His wife's name was Eva. His first, his first wife's name was Eva. Eva Van Tessel. Eva, what a great name! I know a great name because it was his second wife with a body when he died. Doris. Doris. Her name was Doris, and she seemed a little sus as well, (laughs) which we learned from the documentary, or that she was just like really went off the deep end. Yeah. So I mean, George shared all of this on live television. Yeah. And had no shame whatsoever about it. Mm -mm. None. No doubt about what he saw. Nothing. It's just, I think, a measure of reassurance. Yes. This quiet confidence of like, I don't need to really elaborate that much more. Like, this is literally what I saw and what came to me. And I don't know what else what you want me to say. Yeah. I mean, he's a smart (laughs) man. He's a legitimate man. He is all of these things. Like, why are you questioning him? This is what he saw. And I think that's what they talked about a little bit too, was his sort of like dissatisfaction with how great this, like how people met him mm-hmm. and wouldn't let him sort of like, no, this is going to, this science that I'm telling you is going to change the world yes. and I will show you, but people just, they couldn't have it really. No. I mean, what, no. he led groups of meetings at Giant Rock with contactees where they, he would speak on 
aliens and stuff like that. He did meditations beneath the rock where the man blew, either died or blew himself up or whatever, right? Like there, yeah. he did meditations in groups beneath that. And during these meditations, he would get insights from these alien beings that would speak to him and he would then translate it, like tell them what they're saying, sort of like Abraham Hicks. Yeah. Like yeah. the channeling. Yeah. yeah so channeling. In- in 1953 is when he had the contact with UFOs. So he was there for like seven years before this happened. And he claims at 2 a.m., he claimed that a ship from Venus landed at Giant Raw and a being named Solganda took him aboard where he claims the mysteries of, of the Integratron are revealed to him. And this is from the website. So he began like a telepathic relationship with Solganda and the Venusian Council and ch- began channeling this information of rejuvenation and like making yourself younger. And so this is by the time things really... Okay, so sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's that's like kind of like the, the beginning of this experience for him was this visit from this being who had like chosen for this man to create this structure and where it was as well. I mean, that's a good choice. It's a pretty good choice. Yeah. And I mean, if you listen to our episode a week or two, a couple weeks ago, it's about Joshua Tree and our trip there and kind of our experience and the interesting energy we felt from the beginning. It was the Integratron is like a pocket of just extreme peace and serenity. That's what was created at this space. So yeah, the energy at the Integratron is very different from the energy in the other spaces that we were in Joshua Tree. And we didn't go to Giant Rock, so I can't speak to that. But people, I think that the thing with energy is some people are sensitive to it and feel it and some people are not and do not feel it at all. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't have an effect. It doesn't mean that it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not affecting you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so in 1953, up until 1977, there was UFO conventions held at Giant Rock, as well as meditations that George Van Tassel held there every week. And this would bring in tons of people. To the point where um, a woman, a little nosy Nelly decided to write several letters to the FBI, which were Mm -hmm. read during this documentary, about him Mm -hmm. and suspicious activity. I mean, this was a time period where there was the Red Scare, where there was World War II had just happened. I mean, there was a lot of paranoia that existed in this time period. So anyone doing anything outside of the norm was suspect, you know? I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of similar to how... Uh, COVID was in a way where there was this big thing that was happening mm-hmm. that a lot of people, there was so much fear around it that we started to be suspicious and not necessarily suspicious having to do with COVID, but judgmental and afraid of our neighbors. And I think suspicious is a good word for that too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a good energy to be in, to be... <laughs> scared of the people that you're supposed to have community with, you know? It's a great opportunity to create power and control, but it's not good for actual harmony and health. There's a website I found. It was like so much information to dig through, but it was like all of like his files, like George Van Tassel's like the declassified files that the FBI had on him. They were like, they were keeping an eye on this guy. Yeah, they were. I mean, he was an aeronautical engineer. He was a smart man. He... Yeah. And that was probably really scary to them that it wasn't some like, you know, dipshit in the (laughs) middle of nowhere who's saying this. It was like an extremely educated, accomplished man. Who had a following. 
who was yes. yeah yeah who had a following. We don't. I don't have the information at hand, but I think it would be interesting to do another episode after this about kind of the branches that came off of this tree that George Van Tassel built and kind of the followings of the Venusian council and Solgonda. Yeah, because he was the, yeah, he was the uh, first contactee of it. And there's like the galactic and Venusian council and all this sort of stuff, which is interesting because that type of contact reminds me a lot, like I said, of Esther Hicks with Abraham. And Abraham is not an alien Abraham is a is a higher being that we mm-hmm. don't fully understand. So maybe maybe we like maybe we rethink how we're viewing aliens as well. I mean they're higher beings. They're higher beings. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that they're flying to different areas of the universe. It means that they might be in different dimensions that we don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know I agree with that. Yeah. We're preaching to the choir, sister. <laughs> so it it was yeah. in nineteen fifty seven when George breaks ground to begin building the Integratron. And it it was not completed in his lifetime, unfortunately. But it was almost completed. I mean, he was going to walk through it with his wife, I assume Doris. But yeah, I mean, he was going to walk through it the next day or in a few days and died. Yes. And he had publicly announced this too, which was maybe part of his downfall. <laughs> you yeah. know, I I am not a proponent for gatekeeping information, but I am a proponent for keeping your mouth shut until you know things Keep fully. your damn mouth shut. Keep yeah. your mouth shut. Don't tell people until you know it's done. It's been done. You got proof of it and then you share it because and it's just, yeah, obviously it didn't work out well for him to do that. No. So it's... <sighs> I've seen that like he died of a heart attack or, and also like a stroke, but we'll get to that. So, I mean, isn't it easy to sort of like fake those some- with certain poisons or certain other compounds? You can give people. Yeah. I think you can like make it look like that. Yeah. Of a heart for attack. For sure. Also, that's what the coroner said, right? Right. Not what an autopsy said. Like the information out there is that like, oh, he just died. Weird. But it's like. After he died, and we should talk a little bit more about the Integratron, but it's like all of his documents were stolen and like people went in and raided the Integratron and took things out of it and took documents out of it. Things were stolen. And so... And you don't think that was the FBI? Because that sounds like the FBI to me. Sounds a lot like what the FBI would do. Absolutely. So that's pretty suspicious. And there's just, you know, there's this idea of there's like, oh, this is what happened. And then it's like when you dig like just a tiny little bit deeper, just take one more little scoop out with the shovel, then you like actually start getting more information. I mean, yeah. And you can be a conspiracy theorist or you cannot, but you have to look at the facts. You have to look at how they relate to each other in time and in sequence. So... And why you trust one source over another, an yeah. authority, and believe that without question. Right. So this man was <laughs> building something that would, in the documentary, they were touching on that it was Tesla-like in a lot of ways. Yeah, Nikola which, Tesla. Yeah, which Tesla was creating um, a type of electricity. I don't want to say the type wrong. I think it's direct current of electricity that would be just input into the environment and as long as you had a receiver then you could pick it up and have power so like it was there it already existed and all you needed was to have the receptive tool to take it in 
Whereas, you know, with that, how do you control who gets it and who doesn't? How do you control, mm-hmm. how do you measure that? How mm-hmm. do you charge people for that? Power was is a huge <laughs> moneymaker. And so the government didn't like that. And more so business didn't like that. And so there's all that discussion around. It didn't go through because it wasn't a good business model. Like it wasn't, it didn't fit into our capitalist perspective. So bye. And this being in the similar realm of if it actually worked to help reverse mm-hmm. certain things, certain physical yeah. things for people by walking through this certain this frequency there goes pharmaceuticals there goes doctors in a lot of ways there goes a lot of things that we need I, I think that they didn't like the idea of him playing with power I also think that he may have written down somewhere what they quoted because I don't know where else they would have gotten this quote but that if it didn't happen correctly and if he didn't follow the directions of the Venusians that it could explode and be the kind of like an atomic bomb. So, I mean, World War II atomic bombs just happened on Japan, and he's talking about possibly something that could explode like an atomic bomb in the U.S. and California. So I think the government was scared of that. And so you look at all of that. He passes away of a heart attack. There is no real autopsy. Because the oh, wife, yeah. the she had second him cremated wife, Doris, right away. cremated him. ASAP. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot right about that. Right away. Yeah. Had him immediately cremated. Didn't actually check if it was a heart attack or a stroke or any of that stuff. That's just what they had said. So cremates him. There's no other way to prove that. And the next day after he passed away, all of his documents on the Tegratron and the last final steps for putting it together because we will go back into this, but it was the last step. It was done. They just hadn't turned this thing on. That was it. They just hadn't turned it on and tested it. And then they took it all away and all the pieces that needed to be there were taken away too. So suspicious. Yeah. We should it's just suspicious. title this article or this episode suspicious. Yeah. I mean like the from, yeah. be from suspicious. Parks and Rec. Don't, Don't be suspicious. <laughs> Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Yeah. This piece of land, it was built at this particular location because of the geomagnetic forces that occur beneath the dome. And the structure, and if you haven't looked it up already, we'll also post pictures on our Instagram. The structure is like a dome. And oh, I'm sorry, it's not like a dome. It is a dome. And I need to stop saying like. It is a dome. And it's <laughs> said to amplify the magnetic field. And magnomet- mag- oh God, this is a really hard word for me. Something like that. Like magnetometers read a significant spike in the oh. Earth's magnetic field in the center of the Integraton. So this is like an energetic powerhouse, this structure, truly. Yeah, and the dome helped that, and they couldn't build it with metal on the inside because it would mess with the energetics and in, in It's the made inside. of wood. Yeah, all, all of it, except for the portion on the outside, which is right. supposed to spin. And then the, the at the dome, there's a concrete circle, remember, at the very top. Mm-hmm. And it's, yep, which is structurally sound, which they told us, I mean, it's this insanely heavy yeah. concrete circle that's a hole at the very top where all the pieces of the dome come together, arch together and meet, kind of like a keystone in architecture. And they've had it checked and it's structurally sound. I mean, it is, it is sturdy. This man's not an architect, nor is he a builder. 
<laughs> and this is like how many years later and this bad boy is or a structural engineer yeah he is an engineer but not structural so it's all just very interesting how it all came to be and so it was this is from the the website and from him it is meant to be a rejuvenation for the entire body similar to recharging a battery which I, I love that visual. So when you, he, I think you were initially supposed to spin that, right, Katie? The thing around it, the metal. So my understanding is that the inside structure, there's the a bottom level and then the upper level. The upper level is where you see the dome with the concrete piece that we're talking about. That's where the sound bath is. But when you go in, that's the dome is what holds space for all the force and frequencies that you want to have in there. It creates that that space and that magnification of it. The outside has yeah. metal posts, and these metal posts spin, and they spin fast. And there is another pole piece that sort of connects. It's like a, a gap. And the electricity jumps between this gap and through this spinning and through the shape and where the where the dome is, it creates this energy. So what you're supposed to do, again, this is just my understanding of it. I'm not a scientist. Um, you are supposed to walk through the lower level in a circle because there is a post in the center. Oh, yeah. And in doing this, that creates this the amount of time that you need to be in there to help reverse some of this aging and damaging things that have happened to your body. And rejuvenate your cells. And George Van Tassel was not going to put some random person or animal in. He was going to be the first person to do it, which says something about how yeah, much he believed and trusted in it. it. Trust the process. <laughs> I think is the I think is the message we're all getting here. <laughs> yes, trust the process. Trust the information yeah, that don't question it. You. Just trust it. <laughs> I'm kidding. And <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Leave your job, go into the desert, live under a rock, man, go for it. I mean, I, I don't hate I that. Mean, I don't hate yes it. Yes and no. <laughs> so after he died, the Integraton is leased by Doris to various groups who express interest in the property. So in 1986, she sold it in an attempt to relieve herself of this huge project, huge responsibility. And they had also started a ministry, or George had, and it's called the Ministry of Universal Wisdom, a nonprofit organization, non-secretarian, dedicated to religious and scientific research. And so that's how they uh, produced, the, how they were able to fund the project was through like donations. They wrote a newsletter and, and speaking engagements. So that's like how they funded this project. And so after he died, she was like, left with the Integratron and the the newsletter and the the ministry. So she just yeah, All she the wanted responsibilities. Out. Doris wasn't Doris wasn't Doris wasn't up for it. Doris little D was not up for this. All alone. I'm wondering like now that we're reading about his second wife, I'm wondering if like after he became an an alien contactee and began talking about this and going on TV and talking about it, his his alien channeling and you know, contact that that was part of maybe why he didn't work out with his first wife. Just a thought. I will look into it, but but that could be it. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know when. I don't know when it happened. You know, not a lot is here on his very personal life, his love life, which I'm interested in, especially because it seems like from the documentary too. Doris kind of was went off the deep end after. I don't know. Maybe it was before too, but just how she acted was very secluded and shut off from the world. 
Is that what you read from it as well? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that they spoke that much about her. I know that the man that interviewed as his Mm -hmm. son-in-law didn't like Doris very much. I could tell by the way he spoke about her. But I mean, let's say you do love and support your husband and he's doing (laughs) this thing and you're there for it because you're obviously married to this person and you did it while he was full on in it because it's his second marriage and then he dies and then all of his stuff gets stolen. It's like, I'm sure she got interviewed by the FBI. I mean, it would make sense for her to go, all right, I don't want any trouble. Let's just... Yeah. Let's just cremate him. And then I'm yeah. done with this entirely. I agree. Eva died. His first wife oh, Eva died, died. Okay. on May 11, 1974. And he remarried to Doris Andre. It doesn't say what year, but she attempted to keep the church going after his death, but ultimately sold the property to Emile Canning and Diana Cushing, who held on to the property until the year 2000 when three sisters purchased the property and became what they call as stewards of the Integratron and the property. And their names are Joanne, Nancy, and Patty Carl. And they were the ones that decided or made the decision to have this be like a sound bath healing facility. How interesting, kind of bringing it back to what it was originally supposed to be. Yeah. So it wasn't even until 2000. Healing through vibration. Yeah. Which is like very cool. But that's also a long time ago. It's 23 years ago. Yeah. But those sisters were the ones that cleaned up the property. They planted trees. They turned it into like the little oasis that it is now, which is like very cool. I think in the documentary, they were talking about one of them being in tech somehow. And uh, the one sister said she said that the other one has a big brain. So again, not a dumb person no. <laughs> that's buying this. And and how amazing to turn it into something for so many people to still enjoy. I love that. I love that aspect of it. Yeah. And one of the things while like doing some research on this was somebody described sound baths as nutrition for your, your nervous system. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to put it. Yeah, I do love that. It definitely calms the nervous system so that you can become more in balance for a period of time for most people anyway. Yeah, because I think some people or there's, you know, obviously the society we live in is very like right now, it has to happen right now. And if I don't feel it right now, it doesn't, it didn't work. I think with sound baths too, it's like you have to be willing to open up a little bit. You know, I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, sorry, if you haven't done any work at all, and you're doing a sound bath, like it will help calm your nervous system, but you're not going to know what to do or how to keep it there if you're not actually looking into how it's how it's healing you. But I think it's a very relaxing, beautiful experience. And this was probably my favorite part of the trip too, was being able to be in this dome and have this sound bath experience and to really feel the nourishing energy of this particular space. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And we all know that calming the nervous system can help create space for healing, actually, right? It, it brings down inflammation. It does all of these things with stress so that it creates a space for actual, where actual healing can take place. Because when we're stressed, when we're in the parasympathetic nervous system, we can't... Fight or flight. You can't really... Calm down. Yeah. You can't heal. Your body's not able to do that. Your body is in survival. Yeah. But it's a it's a really cool experience. I don't have anything else in my notes about this. Is there anything you recall from the documentary or anything we're leaving out? No. I mean, I think that it 
shows the perfect balance of energies that exist, though it's not specifically in Joshua Tree, that exists within that area of the California desert, where you have things that are really beautiful, right? You have the sacred space, which is giant rock, a place where native tribes would come, a place that was in some ways apparently sacred to those tribes. Again, I don't have the information on this, but that's that's what we've learned. So, And a place where this man was trying to create healing, right within that same area and then you have what our experience was in joshua tree which was not which allowed for healing sure but there was also a different energy that existed there and there was a man who they interviewed and again i don't i think he was just a local they were trying this documentary also kind of gives you a really beautiful full spectrum of the type of people that live in joshua tree yeah that it is a very serious place to live it is not the hippie la version of things no it is a very a rough serious place to live and one guy who they interviewed who was talking about the mystery of it but also just talking about being in joshua tree i'm pretty sure he was smoking meth like he turned around oh i know do you remember of course yeah yeah. i was like he like turns around they didn't show it but he's like turns around he's talking about and this man i mean he had some really profound things to say actually you can be profound at the same time at the same time yeah Yeah. you can be i was all the time (laughs) i was two things Um, can exist at one time katie yeah yeah, it's called duality it's called duality and he was high on meth and he was making good points (laughs) and he was making some really good points (laughs) i'd love to have him on the pod yeah i don't know about that (laughs) i don't know but one thing that he was talking about was that people he's like there are bodies in this desert oh my god people kill each other over drugs in this desert there are bodies here and then he like turns around and takes a hit (laughs) of his meth pipe (laughs) but i mean that is the duality those those two things exist in that space So I think that's what we're picking up on is that it's not a pure energy. There is a lot of, you know, people, I'm sure they didn't like George Van Tassel being there either. So on top of him trying to do good and bring about meditation and healing, there's also all this ill will being put on him. That's energy of people. And if you don't know how to disperse that, right? Yeah. It gets it can be there. So all of this stuff exists. So when you go, if you go to Joshua Tree, if you're called to that, just know that like I wouldn't say go in entirely open without boundaries around your space or your energetic. I would say go with an open mind and an open heart, but protect your own space. I agree. And I think that the shadow side is very prominent there as well as there are very, like during the day, like we said, there is a very beautiful energy, but there's also a very strong dark energy as well. Right. And the desert is vast. It's expansive. And you can fill that with like, whatever energy you it's I feel like it's kind of just like feeds what you feel even more it amplifies it so it's like at nighttime you become you can become like more creeped out or like what was that noise or like where did that come from or whatever and then it's just like you're able to more you give more it's kind of like what psychedelics do right I don't know if anyone has tried those who are listening to this but it it's kind of like that where you're gonna get what you have a propensity Mm -hmm. for yeah and what you need at the same time. So it's all if there. you have a propensity toward darkness, fear, all of that, like it's gonna come out because it exists there. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's interesting. And we aren't the only people that have had weird experiences in Joshua Tree, because most of the people that I bring up yeah. Joshua Tree too, 
have either said, oh yeah, I had this weird thing where I saw this like ghostly man or, <laughs> or there, my friend had this experience where da, 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 yeah. and they had to call the cops and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All it's right. different. It's one of those spaces. It is. And I think it attracts different, all different types of people. But I find this aspect of it so intriguing. But it's also like when you think about other energy vortexes like Sedona or God, now I can't even think of another one. Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta. Those kind of are go hand in hand with extraterrestrial quote unquote sightings too. Yeah. So that kind of goes back to... <laughs> Are they aliens or is it just a higher version, Mm -hmm. a higher consciousness that we're tapping into that is just trying to help us figure shit out? You know, as much as I want them to be aliens, like I want them to come down in a ship and totally destroy our perception of the world and our reality. That would be terrifying and amazing at the same time. But they might just be a higher version of that we're tapping into. Consciousness yeah. That's trying, yeah, that we're tapping into, that we're trying to connect with. Absolutely. That's really interesting. That's an interesting perspective. And one of the other podcast topics that we are gonna cover, or maybe not in like whole episode, but portals and also vortexes. What the what those are and like what the difference is and how they manifest in different spaces. Okay, Katie, remember there was one scene in this this documentary calling our calling all earthlings where they said the only two places the Joshua trees grow are <sighs> Joshua tree and Jerusalem. And yeah. what did he say? He said one is for a place that's the closest some sinners are ever gonna get closest to hell. to heaven and closest you'll ever get to hell, which is Joshua Tree. Yes. Yeah. Which is a cool concept, but I looked that up and Joshua Trees also grow in Arizona. And Utah. There's a, there's a Joshua Tree Park. So, but yeah. the idea of like, okay, that's interesting that there's that belief in that duality, that there is an inherent darkness about it. Yeah. I suppose that what I was drawn, yes, when he said that, I was very drawn to that concept because this person who lives there, who's from there, is talking about this place having a weird energy. Yeah. A hellish energy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And... Wow, that's saying something coming from a local. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's so true. So I thought that was very interesting. So that's that's our little two cents on Landers, on George Van Tassel, on Landers, on Joshua Tree, on all of it. We hope you found it interesting. I mean, I find it extreme, like endlessly interesting. I even like came up with more topics from just saying this. We're going to write that down and we're going to put a pin in it. You better look out, Spotify and Apple. <laughs> yeah, we're about to blow this. We're about to blow this <laughs> with information on aliens because <laughs> it's not an already inundated market <laughs> but maybe women talking about it i don't know <laughs> wait women talking about wait, it? We're yeah, women maybe. talking about aliens that's niche i don't know that is i niche. always hear <laughs> fucking men not talking about everything so <laughs> maybe I mean, they talk a lot anytime a woman talks about something it's like novel um yeah well, because they started listening <laughs> and they realized we have a lot of great well, things to say. to say. They're surprised. We got a lot to say about this little pocket of California. <laughs> We've been talking for years and you yeah. just you just started listening. So We're just getting started. We're kidding. We love you, man. We do. Yeah. We do. We're getting, I'm getting there. I love a good man. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Your dream man is George Van Tassel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how confidently he spoke. Turn on. On television. 
That's a turn yeah. on. Yeah. I'm not not turned not on. Not a deal by that. breaker that you no, were contacted by aliens. Sexy. I mean, it's not for me. It's not. <laughs> oh my God. In fact, it might be a deal maker. Oh, <laughs> fellas. Oh. <laughs> get in these DMs. All right. Well, if we if you guys got if we decide to keep this on, then you are in for a treat and you're welcome. In the meantime, stay in the magic and look up. Stay curious. Yeah. Look, look up. up. We love you. 